Well, listen, we had a jam up time on Friday. I don't know if y'all live anywhere around here, but we had a deluge Thursday night. And uh, so, but man, it didn't hold the men back. Uh, they showed up and uh, we had a big time here Friday night. Amen. And, uh, and um, you know, we had our guest speaker, Clay Dyer, with us. And uh, man, you couldn't, you could have heard a pin drop in here whenever he started speaking. And just a number of guys just just made a commitment to to follow the Lord, and so it was just it was just a great night, amen. And uh, we asked Clay if he would stay and speak here on Sunday morning. You know, his life is a message in itself, and uh, and you know I'm going to read his bio because I that's the best way to do it, amen. But let me just tell you a little bit about him for for those of you that don't know about him. I'm just going to kind of give you a little bit of information about him, and then we're just going to let him come up here and just. Uh, encourage our hearts. Is that all right? Uh, Clay was born on May 23rd, 1978, without any lower limbs and only a partial arm on his right side. However, these limitations have never dampened his determination and positive spirit. He began fishing at age five, and he never allowed his his disabilities to be an obstacle and began competing in fishing tournaments at age 15. He became a a professional angler in 1995 and finished in the major leagues on an FLW tour for four years. Clay spends most of his time sharing his life experience through motivation and leadership, presentations to various companies, charities, and churches. And he's also a volunteer athletic coach at Hamilton High School in Alabama and currently fishes the Bassmaster Open Series and select charity events. He's appeared on television, uh, uh, television appearances like ESPN, CNN, Headline News, uh, Outdoor Channel, Fox Sports, The 700 Club, CBS, and he's also published articles in U.S. Today, Newsweek, Bassmaster, FLW Outdoors Magazine, and many more. That's impressive enough, right? Hey, why don't you help me welcome my friend, Brother Clay Dyer. Thank you, brother. Good to have you, man. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Get everything ready up here. Y'all got awful quiet. Y'all never seen a guy lay down to open a bottle of water before? Better than doing like a dog lapping it up with my tongue, isn't it? Man, what a great morning this morning. I said, what a great morning this morning. Amen. I want to hear you yell like LSU just beat somebody last night. I'm going to tell you, that was a tough one. I, I really hated that for LSU. I, um, I, I didn't get to watch it, but I listened to it on the way back home. Uh, we had the privilege last night after being here uh, Friday night having a wonderful time here Friday night and seeing many souls come to Christ. We, uh, we, we traveled up to Longview, Texas yesterday, me and my mother did, and uh, shared up there last night, got back in about 11 o'clock last night. I took a nap, and I got up and had some coffee. And I'm going to tell you, after listening to that praise team right there, I didn't need any coffee. <laughs> Amen. I'm up. <coughs> they, they are incredible. What a wonderful sight it is at... Nine o'clock in the morning to come in the house of God and see it almost packed. What a wonderful sight. You know, it's just God is so awesome. And uh, I, I can't even begin to, to, to put into words and how wonderful he is because there's no way that I can describe it that does it justice. And I tell you, I'm very blessed that, uh, that I get to live my dream and do what, what, what God has, has so lovingly called me to do. And I'll promise you, that's where I draw my happiness. That's where I draw my strength every day of my life. You know, I know what God has done for me. I know what Jesus, his son, the ultimate sacrifice he paid. And that's the reason that I am where I am today. That's the reason I am where I am. That's, you know, why I am who I am today and everything. God is the most awesome man there ever was and ever will be. He that nobody could ever touch him. And I'm going to tell you, as far as touching his greatness, but what I so love about him is when we believe and when we know he's right here with us anytime, all the time. 
That's the thing about it. How many of us in here love to fish? We in Louisiana. I know we got some fishermen in Louisiana. I tell you, I love Louisiana. I was, uh, I've been here off and on my whole career and I've actually spent pretty much, seems like the last month, I've spent a couple of weeks down here. I've had several opportunities with several churches. I was here back in, uh, back in March actually too for a couple of churches. And I'm going to tell you, you guys have treated this Alabama boy like I'm family. And I appreciate that. I, I, I may, I may mess with you and aggravate you and holler roll tide at you every now and then because I'm a Crimson Tide boy at heart. We got a few roll tide people in here. I know we got a lot of LSU Tigers in here. And I, I got a question. How many of you in here like Florida or Auburn? I cannot believe any hands came up, but they did. We, we, we will pray for y'all. We know y'all still, still confused. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, I'm an SEC man. I love Alabama, but I love the SEC. I'm a football fanatic, but above that, I'm a Jesus fanatic. And that's what I'm all about because I know what he did for me. I know, uh, I've mentioned to you about how many of you fished, fished a minute ago. I want to tell you a quick little fishing story before we get into the, to the message this morning. But uh, about, oh, Lordy mercy, it's been some 21 years ago, I guess now, something like that. I don't have that many fingers to count that high. So I'm, uh, I remember uh, I started out fishing when I was four years old. And as I started out bass fishing when I was about 10. Well, like most kids, I started out with the Zebco 33 reels. And if you've never caught your first fish on Zebco, you need to start over. You just didn't start, right? So I caught my first fish on Zebco. And then I started out trying to use the sophisticated rods and reels. And uh, needless to say, I went through thousands of yards of line, digging out backlashes, cutting them out and everything else. So after I had about five or six of these, I'd save my money up for it and bought them. I was sitting at home one night. I was about 13 years old, I believe. It was about two weeks before my birthday. And I was sitting at home. And for those of you who don't know me, I have three favorite books in my life. Number one is obviously God's Word, the Holy Bible. Number two is The View from Down Here is Just Fine. Have y'all heard of that book? That's mine. I said, say, you in church, don't be lying. And number three was Bass Pro Shops. Well, I had the Bass Pro Shops catalog out, and I found this rod and reel in there. My mother and my dad were sitting on the couch in there with me that night. Daddy was reading a newspaper, and Sports Center was on in the background, which meant leave Daddy alone. So like most 13-year-olds, I was looking through there, and I saw this rod and reel, and I said, Dad, I said, I'd love to have this rod and reel. I said, my birthday's in two weeks. I'll be 14. It'll be a great present. Daddy said, how much is it? I said, 350 bucks. He said, son, I love you, but I'm sorry. I'm not spending 350 bucks on your rod and reel. So what do most 13 years, 13 year olds do? We just stop. We don't beg anymore, right? Yeah, uh huh. Well, I did what most typical 13 year olds do. I kept on. I kept begging. I kept pleading. My dad's face got about as red as red on my shirt. And when I knew that, I said, okay, this ain't good. Dad's about to blow a vessel and it ain't going to be good. I'm going to face some serious consequences. So I kind of just stopped. I let it go for a little bit. I reckon my dad just thought that I was minding my own business. Well, I was, but I was watching him at the same time. And when his face flushed back out to a normal color, and I didn't think he was going to kill me again, I looked over at him and I said, Dad, he threw his paper down and, oh, he was disgusted with me. And he said, what, son, what do you want? I said, Daddy, don't you think about something. I said, think about all the money I've saved you in 13 years not having to buy me shoes. Yes, my friend, I said that. My dad looked at my mother, and my mother shrugged her shoulders at him, and she said, what are you going to say to that? So next thing I knew, he reached in his wallet, and he pulled out a card and handed it to me, and he said, order the rod and reel. I don't want to hear another word out of you all night. So not only did I get not only did I get my prize of rod and reel, I didn't even have to pay any consequences. Life was good, let me tell you. My friend, the world's a tough place. We all know that. That's no secret. A lot of people say, Clay, how in the world have you got to where you're at? How do you do what you do and everything? Um, I know most, a lot of you men might have been here Friday night, but a lot of you ladies weren't. And, um, you know, to me, I know you, I know this was a men's dinner the other night, but, uh, to me, the world I know is, I told you, is a tough place. And people always ask me, Clay, how do you do what you do? Well, first of all, let me tell you this. For, 18 years of my life, the first 18 years, from birth till I was 18 years old, 
you know, a lot of people would look at me and say, you know, Clay, are you not mad because you were born with, with no legs past the hips and a half a right arm? First of all, my friend, let me tell you that not only am I not mad, I'm glad. I'm glad because God blessed me to be this way. A lot of people look at it and say, poor pitiful you, I feel sorry for you handicapped. No, I'm not. Not handicapped at all. What's handicapped? What's disability? It's only a, a frame of mind. It's you're only as disabled or as handicapped as you allow yourself to be. There's people out there who I understand need help. And I can have people who would help me 24 hours a day. I've got a beautiful, loving wife. We have two precious children, Brandon and Brooke. Got a wonderful mother, father, grandparents. I have a grandfather that went to see Jesus back in June of this year. He was a wonderful man of God. They raised me up in church for some 18 years of my life. I never will forget when I was four years old, I looked at my mom one day and my dad, and as most kids have questions, and I just love it when kids come up to me and they look at me and they're like, dude, what happened? <laughs> and I'm like, I was born this way, man. I was born special. God made me special. Well, how did God make you special? I said, you looking at it, buddy. And what really cracks me up is the mamas and daddies are, are the guardians that go, oh my God, I'm so sorry he asked you that. I'm so sorry. I'm not, look, if I was him, I'd be freaked out. If I was him, I'd be like, what in the world is up? <laughs> I love it when kids come up. My second favorite thing I love when they come up and I've got a t-shirt on or something and they pull up on my, my shirt sleeve and they go looking in there like, where's your arm? <laughs> I love it. I'd rather the kids ask me and me tell them as to be worried and scared and wonder. But I remember looking at my mother when I was four years old. And like most kids have questions, I said, mom, I said, dad, I said, why did God make me this way? I wasn't mad at God. I just wondered why. I never will forget the words they told me with total belief and total confidence. They said, son, I'm not sure why God made you the way he did. But there's two things we know for sure. Number one, God doesn't make mistakes. And number two, he has a purpose. And from that moment on, I never questioned it again. Thank you all. But my friend... For those 18 years that my family raised me in church, I was there just about every time the doors opened. I heard countless sermons and everything else. What did I do for 18 years? I believed in God. I went to church. I tried to be respectful and do good things for people, do good deeds, thinking everything was all right. What started happening when I was about 14 years old? I started making destructive decisions. Did I go out and commit murder? No. Did I go out and sell drugs? No. Did I go out and, and rob a store? No. Didn't matter. I had sin in my life because I made destructive decisions. I drank alcohol. I did a lot of other ignorant things that I shouldn't have done. I will keep it G-rated for young children in here this morning. But what I will tell you is this. My friend, it doesn't matter what kind of sin Sin is sin. And sin is anything that separates you from God. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. You know, I hear these people all the time going around the world saying, man, I can't do this because I don't have this. I can't do that because I don't have that. I hear these people talking about all the time these storms they go through, these battles they go through. And you know, and I heard people all the time say, man, why is God doing this to me? Why? God's not doing it to you. God's not punishing you. See, the thing is, when we as humans are going through struggles, when we're going through battles, one or two things has happened. We've lost our focus on God. We've took Him out of the top priority of our life. We try to do it on our own. We try to be stubborn, strong-willed, and say, I got this. Why do I know that? Because that's what I did for four years of my life. That's what I did from the age of 14 to the age of 18. Knowing what Jesus Christ did for me, and what did I do? Jesus talked to the hand. I don't need you. I've got, I've got what I've got, and I'm all good. Well, let me tell you, my friend, all that did for me for four years of my life was lead me, lead me on a path of destruction 
that had me going straight for the pits of hell. Why? Because I allowed Satan to do something that a lot of us people, possibly even in here, have allowed to do or are allowing to do at the moment. What did I allow Satan to do? Just like being a fisherman, what do I do when I'm going out there in a tournament? When I'm trying to catch the five biggest fish I can catch to be able to have my limits, so I can come to the weigh-in stage so I can tell people just how awesome our God is on the weigh-in stage in front of millions of people on the World Wide Web. What do I do to catch those fish? I put on lures to try to look, make them look like the real thing, try to make them look natural, whether it's a worm, a crawfish, a minnow, whatever it may be that the fish are trying to eat. I try to make that, make that bait rattle, dance, flash. I want that fish when I put that bait in front of my fish. I can't, I may not be able to see the fish, but I can see them on my locator, my graph, or I throw where I think he's at. And when I make that bait do that, I want that fish to look at my bait and go, hummada, hummada, hummada. Boy, that looks good. I say that being comical, but I'll tell you this. I try to make that bait look real. But what is it? Fake. Because by rules, we're not allowed to use live bait in tournaments. Lord knows if we could use live bait, I would be on like Donkey Kong. <laughs> but we cannot use live bait. Therefore, I put that lure in front of that fish. When that fish bites that lure, I'm going to set the hook on him. I'm going to reel him in. If he stays on, I'm going to put him in the boat. I'm going to ride him around love on him. I'm going to turn him loose at the end of the day. You say, Clay, why'd you tell us that? Satan takes a lure called sin in many different shapes, forms, and fashions. Alcohol, drugs, pornography, lust, anger, you name it. The list goes on and on. He takes many of these lures, some of which are the most well-known, such as drugs, alcohol, pornography, lust, puts them in front of us, tries to tempt us, makes us look at it and say, Hmm, that looks pretty good. I think I'm going to try me a little bit of that. So we go out there and what do we do? We drink that first case of beer. We drink that first fifth of whiskey. We pop those couple of pain pills. Everything seems like it's all right. Next thing you know, you step a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper. Have you ever seen a spider web? I know you've walked through them. I've ran through them, many of them. Buddy, when you get them on, you can't hardly get them off of you. Have you ever seen a bird or have you ever seen an insect fly into a spider web? You ever seen what happens? They fly into that, fly, they fly into that web, they can't get out. They start trying to, to push one leg in to get the other one out and that gets stuck. Next thing you know, they're all mired up and marred up in it and they're stuck. My friend, that's exactly what Satan wants to do every day of our life. He wants to come into our hearts, lead us into temptation, Fill us with lies and deceit, making us think it's the real thing. Making us think it's the most awesome thing that there is. And you know, we as humans, most of the time, are foolish enough to fall for it. And then when we get hurt, when we get pain, we go crying and pleading to God. And because our God is such an awesome, gracious, loving God, guess what? He gets us out of the situation. I'm here to tell you this morning. If you're in that situation and you think there's no hope, you think there's no no way out, you feel like your back's against the wall and you say, what am I going to do? My friend, you're looking at living proof of what happens when you turn it all over to Jesus Christ. And you say, God, I want you. I want a relationship. I want it all with you. I want to fully surrender you because I want happiness. And when you do that, my friend, you don't have to worry about all that other garbage anymore. You don't have to worry about all that other garbage. Let me tell you something. There's not a day goes by, whether you're saved or whether you're not, there's not a day goes by that in some shape, form, or fashion, Satan is not going to attack you. Why? Because he doesn't want you to have happiness. He wants you to be in misery. He wants you to be in hurt. He wants you to be in pain. And he's going to do everything within his mighty power to attack you to keep that from happening, to keep you from having joy, keep you from having happiness. Every day of my life, whether it's something minute, such as me dropping a bottle of water like I do quite often, spill it on myself, I need to walk around with a billbone all the time. I'm worse than a four-year-old about spilling stuff on myself sometimes. Whether it's something small, minute like that, or whether it's some great adversity. My friend, before every great triumph is normally a great adversity. Why? Because Satan wants to keep you from getting to the greatness of where God wants you to be and where God has it destined for you. 
What do I do every morning when Satan tries to stick his ugly, lying, nasty, gnarly self up in my face? What do I do? I might not be able to three feet tall and weigh 90, 92 pounds, 95 pounds. I think I put on a few in the last few months. What do I do? I jump on him. I bust him. I look at him and I say, you ain't getting me. You just supposed to get out of the way. You done made me waste enough years of my life. My friend, for the first 18 years of my life, I did nothing but rob myself of the awesome life and happiness that God had for me. Why? Because I allowed the dirty, rotten liar, man himself, called Satan, to lead me like a little dog on a leash. And I thought I had true happiness. But I realized in June of 1996, about a month after I graduated from Hamilton High School, I graduated with honors. It was an honor for me to get out of there. I graduated in the honors club of Lordy How Come. Lordy How Come, they let him out of there. But when I graduated, one Tuesday, a young lady called me up. She said, Clay, I want you to go to the youth revival with me on Friday night. I said, sure. Wednesday and Thursday rolled around. My life seemed almost perfect. It seemed like everything was just great. Friday morning, the night of the youth revival, I woke up for the first time in my life, scared to death. You say, Clay, why was you scared? I was scared because I thought I was having symptoms of a heart attack at 19 years old. Now, keep in mind, I've been an athlete my whole life, been athletic, work out. You ever seen a man with no legs run on a treadmill? You have now. And I love the looks I get when I'm doing it. I was just in a hotel in a Holiday Inn Express about two years ago in Kansas City, Kansas. I was out there getting ready to speak to Foot Locker. I stayed out there at the Holiday Inn Express. I was in there on a treadmill one night, had my ear pods in, had my, my praise and worship music kicking, and I'm in there just... Just running. I'm jogging down through there and I see these three gentlemen get out of this car. One of them had a cigar that was longer than some fish I've ever caught. <laughs> guy's puffing on that cigar and a big fog was just around his head. And I see the guys pull up in the car and I'm in there in the workout room. Boy, I'm just pouring sweat. I'm working. I see them get out of the car. I see them walking and the windows are here on the right side. I see them go. <laughs> and as the guy's staring, the cigar goes, boop, and falls out. He looks at me and I can see him getting this guy's like, <laughs> look at this guy, look. I'm like, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm just waving at him while I'm running. I stayed in great shape my whole life. I had no, no medical reason why I should have been feeling like I was going to have a heart attack. But yet I had excruciating pains shooting through my body, cold sweats, excruciating headache. And I just, I had all the symptoms of a heart attack except for the pain in the left arm. And if y'all can figure that one out, then y'all tell me. <laughs> but I want to tell you this. All jokes aside, I thought to myself, why am I feeling this? Why? Why am I feeling this? All the destructive decisions were like flashbacks going through my mind, and I kept thinking, why am I dealing with this? And God, all, God basically spoke to me and said, Clay, you're hard-headed. You're stubborn. I've been trying to work with you for years. What have you done? You've turned your head on me. You told me you don't want me. And guess what? I'm just trying to get your attention. God wasn't punishing me. God was allowing me to go through a circumstance that he knew. He knew it would take to get my attention. Because I'm so stubborn. I'm so strong-willed. I'm so hard-headed. What was I doing, my friend? Like most men do, sticking my chest out, sticking my macho out, thinking I was the most biggest, baddest thing there was. Where'd that get me? Absolutely nowhere. But that night, I went to the forward, went to the front, went to the altar at that youth revival. I prayed, and I said, Dear God, I know your son died on the cross for my sins. I confess my sins to you. I want a relationship with Jesus Christ, a true relationship. Jesus, I won't say it. I felt the power of the Holy Presence come into my heart of our Holy God. His Holy Spirit. And my friend, all the fear, all the anxiety, all the hurt, everything else, as fast as you could snap your finger whenever I said, I want a relationship with you, Jesus. As fast as you could snap your finger, I went from being that scared to death young man to having indescribable peace, love, and joy. And you say, Clay, why do you say indescribable? I say indescribable because it doesn't matter 
how I try to describe it, I don't feel like I do it justice. Because I know what Jesus did for me. I know what he did for you. I know what he did for you, for you, for you, and for you. I know what he did for every one of us. And you know what? None of us deserve it. None of us truly deserve it. But that, my friends, is how much he loves us. The ultimate sacrifice, that's how much he loves us. And I wonder why in the world sometimes we as the people of the world, of the United States of America, who has had our foundation on God and saw America rocking off, why in the world we took our focus off God and we wonder why in the world we're in the shape we're in right now. Wonder why in the world we're in the shape we're in right now. You know what? I can tell you why we're in the shape we're in. Because there's way too many Americans that are supposedly Christians that have put too much between them and God. And what do they do? They want to watch more television than they read in their Bibles. They want to stay on Facebook or Twitter. They want to stay on the Internet. They want to put a lot more things in front of, their, in front of God instead of God. My friend, if you're dealing with that adversity, if you're dealing with a battle in your life, let me tell you something. Satan is going to try to attack you every day. Who do you want on your team? I hope and I pray that you want the same man on your side that I want on mine. Because I'm going to tell you, he's going to battle you, Satan's going to fight you, and everything else. But when you have the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on your team, that battle is won every day. And every battle that, that Satan tries to attack you with, you can whip him, you can defeat him, and you cannot have to be worried and stressed out and sit there stressed out all the time. Stressed out and worried is like rocking in a rocking chair. It keeps you busy getting absolutely nowhere. Absolutely nowhere. Are you going through that battle? Is Satan trying to keep you from having happiness? Are you trying to keep you from having true love that only Jesus Christ can offer? Well, you know, the battle of David and Goliath in the Bible is one of my favorite battles. Why? Because so many people have that Goliath that they're trying to battle all the time. And Satan tries to be a Goliath. And a lot of people, when they get attacked by Satan, what do they do? They run because they're scared. What do I do? I bust him right in the nose. And I say, get out of my way. Because you know why? It says in God's word, when you speak the name of Jesus and you tell Satan to be cast out, he has no choice but to go. There is so much power in the name of Jesus, my friend. So much love, so much power. Whenever Satan tries to attack me, I try to be just like David. You know what I love about David? Everybody looked at David as this little old bitty runny fellow, little handsome man. Didn't think he was a warrior. Didn't think he was a fighter. That's what they said. That's what they said. Listen to this. First Samuel. Chapter 17, start with verse 8. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul? Choose the man to have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistine's word, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Are you going to let that, that battle terrify you and scare you? Are you going to let that battle run, make you run, make you get scared? Now David was a son of Nephrite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time he was old and well advanced in years. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war. The firstborn was Eliab, the second Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Now I want to um, skip down here real quick. Verse 25. Now the Israelites had been saying, Do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his father's family from taxes in Israel. When you're facing that battle, I want you to know what that verse says to me. When you're facing that battle, there is far greater victory on the other side of that battle. 
when you allow God to guide you and lead you. And you take God with you to that battle. Listen to this. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his father family from taxes in Israel. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a pretty good deal to me. <laughs> if I knew I was exempt from taxes, y'all would hear me shouting, Hallelujah, praise God, all the way from Alabama. We'll skip on down real quick. Now, what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of the Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. What would you do for your dad? What would you do for the person that you know that, that doesn't know Jesus Christ? When you live for Jesus Christ, you're going to be attacked by Satan. You're going to be attacked, and you're going to be attacked, and you're going to be attacked. Are you going to lay down and give up and say, you know what, I'm done, I'm defeated, I'm destroyed? Is that what you're going to do? I hope and I pray that it's not. Because I'm going to tell you, the man David, he fought, he served, and he gave it all he had. And when, when, when Saul tried to put him in all the, 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 uh, the armor and all that, give him his weapons, what did he say? I'm not used to this. Go down to right here. Verse 39. Verse 38, I'm sorry. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in a pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the fields. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin. Oh, Lord, this gets good. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. You know what I love so much about that scripture? Because we as Christians, when we go out into this world, in this dark and dying world, we have people all the time who are the Antichrist. When they come to us, they assault us. They verbally assault us. They put us down. They, they blaspheme us. They do all these negative things to us, trying to tear us down and destroy us. But you know what? That is the ultimate thing that as a Christian, that to me, I just love. Because when they try to prove us wrong and how, and how they try to tell us how crazy we are for believing in our God and living for our Christ, when we take the word of God with us to battle and take the word of God with us to try to witness to people, we're always going to prevail, and we're always going to win. I had a TV reporter ask me just yesterday in Longview, Texas. He looked at me and he said, Clay, he said, what's your ultimate goal tonight before you leave this place? I don't know what he was expecting me to say. I looked at him and I said, brother, I said, my ultimate goal before I leave this place tonight is to be able to have everybody in here closer to God than they've ever been because they see living proof through me of what Jesus Christ can do when we as humans let him. And you know what he looked at me and asked me? He said, how can you prove to me there's a God? I, we just opened up the word of God on him, brother. I looked at him and I said, brother, let me ask you this. I said, how in the world can you look outside and look at the beauty that God made and tell me there ain't? And he looked at me and I said, I told him about the word of God. And I told him about the, the, the first part of Genesis. When God created the world, created the sun, created the moon, created everything. I said, people can listen to that old evolution junk all they want to. I looked at him. I said, let me tell you this. I said, I had a guy come to me one time, and he told me, he asked me, how could I believe in God when I physically couldn't see him? I said, oh, you can see him. You may not want to admit it, but you can see him. Uh, and he looked at me, and he said, he said, man, I believe in aliens. I looked at him. I said, well, let me ask you this. I said, can you physically see him? Uh, 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 no. I looked at him, and I said, he said, brother, you got a point. 
I said, faith is believing in that which you cannot see and trusting in it. That's what faith is. How's Clay Dyer got to where he's at? By putting his faith in my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And being just like David, that every time I get attacked, I don't need a bunch of tools. I don't need a bunch of weapons. All I need is my relationship with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the Word of God. That's all I need. Every adversity that I've ever faced, thank you. That's all I need. That's all I need. My friend, God has blessed each and every one of you in here today with gifts and talents. What are you going to do with those gifts and talents? Are you going to just sit on them and say, I can't? Are you going to say, man, I know God has blessed me with this. I'm going to go out and I'm going to make a difference in this world. Guys, we never know when the last day is going to be. And I love that. You know why I love it? Because I wondered just how just how people would live if they knew when they were going to take their last breath. I love not knowing. What am I going to do in the rest days of my life that Jesus has me here on earth? What am I going to do? What, what, what do I want people to say to me when they come up and look at me in my casket? Whenever God calls me home, what do I want them to say to me? I want them to look at me. Do I want them to say that I'm the most awesome fisherman that ever lived? There's a title out there on one of my videos. It says, Most Inspirational Fisherman Alive or Ever Been. I'm honored. Yes, I'm honored. But that's not truly how I want to be remembered. Do I want to be remembered as winning more World Championships or more Bassmasters Classics and more Angler of the Years? That's an awesome accomplishment. And through God, that's what, that's what I, I believe God has destined for me. But that's not truly what I solely want to be remembered about. What I want my legacy to be, I want people to come up to me and look down at my casket and say, that man right there never had a bad day. He was always in a good mood. He was a warrior for Jesus Christ, and he never let up. He took his last breath trying to leave every last soul to Christ. I want to live my life in such a way that anybody that comes and sees me, that I meet in public, when I, you ever meet those people in public that look like this right here? <laughs> you ever meet them in public like they've had had horse pee for breakfast or something? <laughs> like they've bit a ten penny nail into it in a cereal? I want to go up to them and say, "What's wrong? When you got Jesus Christ, you can't help but be happy." I want people to look at me and say, "I want what that guy's got." I want them to look at me and say, "I want what that guy's got." My friend, are you going to sit back and you going to let Satan attack you? Are you going to let him lead and guide you and destroy you and take your happiness? Or are you going to stomp him in the ground and say, you know what? I want Jesus Christ and I want nothing more. And I'm going to let Jesus lead me and guide me and I'm going to have the most awesome happiness that I never thought imagined. That's what I hope and pray that you do before you leave this place this morning. Let us pray. With every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. Praise team come. They're going to play softly. If you're in here this morning, you faced battles, you've been in a tough place in life, you had not had that happiness that you truly want. And you want a relationship with Jesus Christ and you want God to show you just how awesome he is. His incredible happiness, his incredible love, his incredible joy. You want to experience his grace. You want a true personal relationship with him. Simply raise your hand so I can see you. So I can acknowledge you because I want to pray for you. I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you, sir. I see that hand. You say, Clay, I see that hand back there. Thank you. You say, Clay, I want to truly experience what Jesus is all about. I want his happiness. I want his joy. I want his love. If this is you this morning, I want you to do yourself a favor. Number one, you've raised your hand. Number two, here's the second step. I'm going to pray for you, and I want you to pray to yourself what I pray out loud. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I confess my sins to you, Lord, because I want a relationship with your son, Jesus Christ. And God's word says, if you truly mean that, and you ask him in your heart for a personal relationship with him, that you are saved. Jesus, I pray right now that you just come down upon this place. Touch these people. I thank you for their honesty. I thank you for their boldness. And Lord, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit touch them, strengthen them, give them peace, give them grace for that decision that they've just made. God, I pray that you would erase all doubts, all questions that they may have. 
God, you to praise that with love, power, strength, and trust. If this was you, if everybody would, please stand. If this is you, you raise your hand. My friend, my brother, my sister, don't wait. Don't be ashamed. Jesus Christ died a gruesome death on the cross for you because he loved you so much. You don't wait. You come forward. Make a stand and say, I just accepted Jesus Christ. When you come forward, we're going to have one more of a praise God party. Would you stand? Would you respond if you will? Come. I see a lot of you didn't even sleep in today. You came on out to worship God. Amen. I got one question to ask. How many Jesus lovers in the house this morning? I'm going to give y'all a hand clap, a hand clap of praise. You know why? Because y'all about the first church that I've heard yell as loud or louder for Jesus than you did for your favorite football team. Amen. I tell you what, it, it just gets me when I go to churches sometimes and I say, how many Jesus lovers in the house? Like three people, whoo. I want to look at them and I want to say, now how loud would you yell if Alabama or LSU or somebody scored a touchdown? You'd get jiggy with it. Amen. Well, I'm going to tell you something. There's a man that gave it all for us. There's a man that didn't have to give it all, but he did. And his name's Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, he deserves it all. He deserves it all. I thank y'all for being here this morning. I want to say a special thanks to the staff here at Family Life Church. I really appreciate, and I apologize, I meant to say this this morning, 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock service. I apologize for calling y'all Abundant Life Church. Friday, my brain was not exactly working correctly Friday when I got here because I'd only been about 2,500 miles in three days. So I left my, I left my brain somewhere back behind me and, um, it finally caught up to me yesterday and I got here. But you guys are like family. I, I cannot thank the staff enough for this opportunity to be here and sharing this weekend. I told Pastor a while ago, I said, brother, I said, you stuck with me now. I said, we're family. You stuck with me. And I said, I hope to come back and I want to be able to come back and, and minister with y'all again sometime later. You guys have, uh, I've been in Louisiana quite a bit and over my career and, and, and I've always felt like family. I've always felt like home. I still can't understand half what y'all say half the time, <laughs> but that ain't y'all's fault. That's this Alabama redneck up here. Can't understand either. So how many of you have ever heard of Cliff Crochet? They call him the Cajun baby. He is from Pierre Park, Louisiana. He's the Bassmaster Elite, uh, Elite Series Pro. He's a real good friend of mine. I bring that up to say this. I've known Cliff four years, all right? I've been, I've roomed with Cliff back when we fished in, in, uh, two years ago on Bassmaster Trail. We roomed together. I've been around a man four years. I still don't have a clue what he's saying. <laughs> I look at him and he'll, he'll say something and it sounds like, I don't know, he rolls about 50 words in the one. I look at him and say, huh? What'd you just say? And he can understand me halfway decent, so it must be something about me. They say, I got an accent. I really, do I have an accent? <laughs> Thank y'all. I'm glad y'all, under, I'm glad y'all hear that. Cause I go up north and they look at me like I've got three heads or something up there. <laughs> I went to New York one time a few years ago to fish FLW and I got looked at like, where in the world was I from? They knew I wasn't from around New York. I promise you. They said, you ain't from around here, are you? I said, no, a long way from here. I promise you that. How many fishermen we got in the house this morning? Several. We had a lot in the first service. Nice. Well, I'm going to tell you what. I want to give it up. I want y'all to give it up for the praise team. They are awesome. I, I drank a big old cup of coffee at Holiday Inn Express this morning before I left coming over here, mainly just trying to get myself awake and going. And then uh, I dove in the Word of God and got woke up real quick, and I got over here and got a jolt of adrenaline. And I'm going to tell you, if you ain't awake and you ain't alive after listening to them perform, you ain't got any blood pumping in your veins. I promise you that. Well, I know some of you have heard this story, but some of you haven't. So I've got to share this story with you real quick before we get in the meat of the message. And I promise you, I grew up Baptist. So I understand that a lot of you are going to want to go eat your fried chicken here in a little bit. Now, I promise you, I won't hold you till, till, till you start famine and losing weight. I'll have you out of here before too long. All right? Amen. We got some brave, very brave individuals, by the way. Y'all sitting real close to the front. Y'all, I slang snot and spit and everything else. Y'all up here pretty close to the front. So I, that's awesome. I appreciate that. I can tell this morning we have Jesus lovers in the house. I can just tell. I felt that spirit from the moment I walked in the door. 
You know, um, I'll sit here and, and any time in the crowd decides, you know, it's amazing at what people can face sometimes. It's amazing at what, where people allow themselves to get at times. You see, Clay, or Clay, you see, people ask me all the time, Clay, how do you get to where you're at? You know, how, how in the world do you walk around with happiness all the time? You see, I try to live my life in such a way that when people look at me, they can just see the happiness, they can see the joy. You know, now, tournament morning, I may look like this right here. It's only because I'm focused and I'm ready. And it's, it's kind, of, kind of the same way I look sometimes when I'm getting ready to preach. But I'm focused and I'm ready and I'm ready to go. But inside, I'm happy. You know, I'm out there doing what I love to do. I'm doing what God has, has blessed me to be able to do and live my dream. And people always say, man, you know, you're always so happy. You're always going 100 miles an hour. You know, how do you do it? When you got Jesus Christ in your heart, how can you not do it? Amen. And, you know, for people that don't know what that truly feels like, to have true happiness, to have true joy is because you don't have Jesus. You can believe in God and you can go to church and you totally miss the boat. You say, Clay, wait, what do you mean? You can believe in God and you can go to church and you can do good deeds. But if you don't have a true personal relationship with Jesus Christ, Amen. you're only robbing yourself of so many blessings that God wants for you, that God has for you. You say, well, Clay... You know, I've always tried to be a good person. I've always tried to do good deeds. You know, I had never went out here and committed a crime. I ain't never went out here and sold drugs or anything like that. You know, am I not okay? Have you, have you ever prayed to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? That's my question. Until you do that, that's when you experience the true joy, peace, love that God has to offer. Then that's the only way that you ever experience it, my friend. There is no good deed, there is no good works that will get you into heaven. Yes, God appreciates that and he loves that. But I thank God that his word says there is only one way into heaven. And that's believing and confessing our sins and believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. You see, as good as it is to believe in God and go to church, there's so much more out there that, that God wants for us. So many more blessings that he wants for us. You know, I for the life of me cannot figure out, and I have tried for 36 years. Now y'all know how old I am. I've tried for 36 years to figure this out. But I cannot for the life of me figure out. When I see these people walking around going like this right here. Well, I see people walking around looking like they're mad at the world. I don't get it. I don't get it. Well, I do get it. They ain't got Jesus. Or they ain't got him at the top of their list. Top of their priorities. Because if they had him there, they'd have the true peace, the true love. And you wouldn't want to walk around looking like you done drank some nasty something for breakfast in the morning. Hello? Has anybody ever drank Slim Fast before? I know why you will lose weight drinking that stuff. Because after about two sips of it, you want to puke. I tried Slim Fast one time, not knowing any better, and I ate a meal with it, and I gained weight. I said to myself, man, this stuff, I'm going to sue them for false advertisement. I ain't losing weight. I'm gaining weight. Then I read a little further on directions. You ain't supposed to eat with it. Well, I was eating with it and drinking it, th thinking it was going to help me lose weight. Well, hello. That wasn't working. Anyway, enough of that. I just really, I don't understand how people can walk around knowing that there's a man named Jesus that died for our sins, that gave the ultimate sacrifice. And why in the world do we as humans want to be stubborn and hard-headed and defile God? And let me tell you, I did that for 18 years. I believed in God. I went to church. But what did I do? I didn't have a true personal relationship with Jesus Christ, my friends. I didn't do nothing for 18 years but steal and rob myself of the blessings that God had in store for me because I wasn't living for him. What was I doing? I was going out there being a typical man, being a stubborn, hard-headed man, walking around with my chest stuck out like I think I had it all, like I, I had all the happiness and everything else. What was I doing? I was just fooling myself. My friend, Satan is out there every day trying to destroy you, to kill your happiness, to rob your joy, and make your life a living nightmare. You've got two choices in this world. 
Because I hate to tell you, there's two things you ain't going to avoid. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you think you're Superman, Wonder Woman, or whatever. My wife, I call my wife Wonder Woman because she is my Wonder Woman. She's a beautiful angel, and she is, she, is, she is a huge reason why I'm able to do what I do because she supports me in everything I do. She's my wonder, she is my Wonder Woman, and I'm her Superman is what she says. But I'll tell you this. We walk around a lot of times thinking we're Wonder Woman or thinking we're Superman, thinking nothing can happen to us. And it's amazing how when we walk around thinking that, we allow Satan to get into our hearts, to get into our lives and make us hard-headed. And then whenever we face adversity, because we've taken our focus off Jesus Christ and off God, when we face adversity, then we want to run and cry and plead to God, oh, dear God, would you please get me out of this? Guess what? He will because he loves you. But why would you even want to even mess with you? Why would you want to mess with Satan? Why? Why do you want to mess with a liar that ain't doing nothing but trying to deceive you and hurt you? Why do you want to mess with somebody that's nothing more than a liar? Look at your friend beside you and say, say, Satan. Now, wait a minute. That was pathetic. Say, Satan is a liar. Say, God is awesome. awesome. Say, God God is good good. all All the time. time. All the time, time. God is good. good. My friend, every day when you wake up, you've got a man trying to steal and kill your happiness. He's trying to rob you of your joy. Are you going to let him do that? And let him sit over there and laugh at you and everything else because you've believed a liar. Are you going to let the man who died on the cross a gruesome, sacrificial death because he loves you and because he wants to give you the desires of your heart? Are you going to let him lead you and guide you and lead you to the most awesome happiness that there ever is or ever will be? My friend, let me ask you something. When you wake up in the mornings, what's your first priority? What's your first priority? When you wake up in the mornings, do you wake up and if your phone ain't right there beside you, yeah, I keep mine beside me just in case family has emergency and calls me. My point being, what's your priority? Is your priority, are you more concerned about getting up and flipping on Facebook or flipping on Twitter or flipping on whatever and seeing a bunch of nonsense that somebody's put up there? When I think about what Jesus Christ did for me, when I think about the ultimate sacrifice he gave, and all he asked out of us is to live for him and to love him. For what he did for me, that ain't asking much. That ain't asking much. And we wonder why in the world we're in the shape we're in in this world. The internet can be a good thing. It can be a real good thing. But it can be destruction. If you let Satan lead you toward destruction and fill you with lies and you follow him, don't come whining to me. Don't come whining to God. Get it right. Go to God and say, God, I messed up. Don't whine, don't cry. Just go to God and get it right. Because I'm going to promise you, when you do that, it'll be the most awesome thing you've ever done in your life. You know, I saw a post on Facebook about a year ago. Me and my, me and my back then fiance, but me and my wife were sitting there going through town doing errands. I, saw, I flipped up my fan page to check, to check out, see if I had any messages or anything. I see this comment that says, I'm sitting in front, of, in front of a red light in front of McDonald's waiting to get my Big Mac. For real? I looked at that and I thought, of all the things somebody could post, they're posting about waiting to get their Big Mac. Bless your heart. <laughs> I wanted to look at, I wanted to go through there and I wanted to say, of all the things you could post, could you not post something? You know, and of course, who knows where that person was at? But people say, you know, when I go on there and I post things, I try to post something uplifting. I try to post something funny to make people laugh, but I always keep it of God. Because when people go to my post, I want them to know when they go to my page, they're going to get something that's real. They're going to get something that's of love. They're going to get something that's of passion. Because I try to live my life like that every day. And that's the only way I'm going to live it, my friend. I see people put stuff on there all the time. And, I, and I'm like, when people come up to me with negativity, when people come up to me with, with these poor pitiful me stories, of I can't do this, I ain't, you know, I can't do that. It's nothing more than excuses. I'm sorry, I ain't got time for excuses. I ain't got time for them. And poor Jesus, bless his heart. 
You know, I don't understand why people don't go to him with excuses all the time. He didn't give us an excuse. He did not give us an excuse at all. He could have given us every reason in the world. He said, man, y'all ain't good enough for me. But he didn't. He says, I love you. I want to give you everything that your heart's ever desired. I want to give you life. I want to give you happiness. And I want to give it to you more abundantly. I'm like, when I see people being negative, when I see that kind of stuff, I'm like that Medea picture from Medea Christmas or whatever. She said, I ain't got time for that. <laughs> Guess what? I ain't got time for that. I'm trying to be out here making a difference in this world, doing everything I can. I sense in this room this morning, there's a bunch of people in here that y'all want to be conquerors. You want to be conquerors in this world. You know what I want to be? I want to be a conqueror. You know what kind of conqueror I want to be? I want to be the kind of conqueror that I might not be able to get to every soul in this world to lead them to the most incredible man, to the most incredible happiness. But I can promise you this. I'm going to take my last breath, die, and giving it everything I've got time to get there. I can promise you that. Because I know what he did for me. And I want to see a bunch of people just like yourself join an army with me, and let's go get it. Why, why sit back and say, why let somebody else do it? You know what? The world is full of willing people. A lot of willing to work and a lot of people willing to live. And I'm not about that willing to let somebody. I'm the one that's willing to go. Are you willing to go with me? Are you willing to go out into this world and let's make a difference? God bless each and every one of you. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, God bless each and every one of us with spiritual gifts. To do what? To glorify him and magnify him. What's magnify mean? Make larger. You know, for everything that I see when people get attacked by Satan and people want to give up, they want to lay down when they face a little adversity. You know, it's easy to praise God when it's all good. But when a boat gets rocked a little bit, when things get a little shaky, how easy is it for you to praise God then? Because I'm going to tell you this. God ain't punishing you. God just allows things to come into our heart to put our focus back where it should be on Him. Because when our focus stays on Him, there is no adversity, there is no obstacle, there is no trial that you cannot overcome. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You're looking at a man who's 36 years old who has, in some people's eyes, every legitimate reason to lay down and give up and say, you know what? I can't. Poor pitiful me. I have no arms. I have no legs. I can't do this. What do I say? Psalm 62. God is my rock. With him I will not be shaken. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. How do you want to be remembered in this world? What, what do you want your legacy to be? I can tell you what I want mine to be. I'll tell you right now. As awesome of an honor and a privilege as it would be to be remembered as the world's most successful or inspirational fisherman. As awesome as it would be to say, man, if you wanted to win a Bassmaster Classic, if you want to be a world champion, if Clay Dyer was there, you had to beat him to win it. As awesome of an accomplishment as that would be, what I want to be remembered by when people walk up to me and look at me, as awesome as that would be, what I want people to look at me and say, yeah, he was a champion in fishing, but I'm going to tell you what I, what I loved about it. I want to look at me and say, that man out there was a warrior for Christ. He never let up. He never laid down. He never gave up. And he tried to make a difference in this world. That's what I want to be remembered. I want to read this scripture to you real quick. Out of Romans chapter 8. Y'all know this story. Romans eight twenty eight. More than conquerors. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has, has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life. Is it at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine 
or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What's that bit, what does that scripture say to me? That scripture says to me, when you believe and you put your full trust in God, nothing can defeat you unless you let it. Satan can't destroy you unless you let it. He cannot defeat you Unless you let him. Are we going to go out here and get caught up in the worldly pleasures and the worldly ways? Or are we going to draw from the most awesome book that was ever written? Are we going to draw strength and love and, and, and passion and all the many things that God is all about? Courage, wisdom, and all that. Well, when you walk around in, in public, how do you carry yourself? Do you carry yourself where everybody looks at you and says, I want to be like that. Because you know what? I want to be like Jesus. Because I know what he did for me. You say, Clay, you don't know what I'm facing. Oh, I may not. But I know a man that does. And that's God. And when you give it to him, there's nothing else that can beat you and nothing else that can destroy you, my friend. In closing, I want to share with you a story. You say, Clay, I've got that family member. I've got that, that brother, that sister, that mama, that dad the cousin, close friend, whatever the case may be. But they, they look at me like I'm crazy. They look at me like I'm stupid every time I talk, talk to them about Jesus and everything else. Well, hello, do you think they look at me like I'm crazy? I'm crazy about something, all right? I'm crazy about Jesus. I've got a friend of mine that after I was saved, before I was saved, he and I used to make every excuse together to miss church on Sunday. You know what we would do? We'd go hunting, we'd go fishing, goofing off, whatever. When I got saved, he called me about a week after I was saved. And he said, brother, he said, I just want to tell you congratulations. I said, for what? I said, I ain't won no tournament. He said, no. He said, you did something far more important than ever winning a tournament. He said, you did something most men will never do. You accepted Jesus Christ. He said, I want to congratulate you for that. He says, you know, I've got a wife. His daddy's been a preacher. And I've been married to her for, at that time, I think they've been married for 10 years. He says, I get so sick of hearing about God. I told him, I said, brother, I'm sorry. To hear that. I said, I'm sorry that, that you feel that way. I said, but can I tell you this? I said, I love you to the point. I said, you're my brother, and I know what it is to have Christ. I said, I love you, and you can get mad at me. You can, you can hate me. You can do whatever you want. I said, but I love you enough. I will not stop praying for you. And he said, man, don't pray for me. Don't do it. Uh -uh, don't pray for me. I said, brother, you can't stop me. He said, do what? I said, you heard him. I said, you can't stop me from praying for you. I said, if I didn't love you, I wouldn't pray for you. I said, if I love you and I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to pray that you get it right with Christ. You know what he did? He said, whatever, and hung the phone up on me. Well, I saw him some few months later and every time I would get around him, his countenance had changed. I prayed for him day in and day out. My friend, I want you to know, I prayed eight years. Every time I was around Alan, Alan's attitude had gotten better. Alan would watch his mouth. He would try to be respectful because he knew of my faith. He would try to be respectful. He said, Clay, why are you sharing this? It's easy to give up because Satan wants you to give up. He wants to say, oh, they ain't coming to you. You're wasting your time. I kept praying. I kept praying. I kept praying. I did not hear from Alan for almost two years. I kept praying. God kept telling me, he's coming. He's coming. Keep praying. One Friday, he called me. One Friday afternoon, when I was at home, I'd just come off the road. He called me out of the blue, and I answered the phone, and I could tell Alan was a different Alan. He said, Brother, are you at home? I said, Yes, sir, I just got here. He said, Can I come talk to you? I said, Yes, sir, come on. I had no idea other than I just could tell a difference in him. He pulled up in my driveway, and I went outside in my wheelchair. He come running to me and jumped on me, just weeping and, 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 and sobbing in tears. He said, Brother, I did it. I got saved. I got saved. He said, He said, Thank you. I hugged him and looked at him, and I said, I knew you were going to. He looked at me and said, how would you know? I said, God told me. 
He looked at me and he said, Brother, I cussed you. I vulgarated you. He said, I called you every name in the book. He said, You my brother, and I so mad at you. I could he said, I could have hit you. He said, I didn't want you praying for me. He said, Because I knew what I needed. And he said, I won't be too hard headed to get it. He said, Thank you for never giving up on me. And thank you for always praying. My friends, that's how real God can be. That's how real God can be. I don't know what you may be facing this morning. I don't know where you're at in your life. But I do know this. Do not go out there and live for the world, for the worldly pleasures. Do not go out there and live for drugs, live for alcohol, live for all the sinful things that Satan is always going to try to deceive you with. Do not do it, my friend. Be a conqueror. Go out there and live for Jesus Christ. Whatever adversity Satan's trying to put on your heart, pray to God. Follow God. Study His Word every morning. Study His Word every day. Study His Word every night. When you open up this book, power instantly comes out of it. Love comes out of it when you let it. Don't be of the world. Be of Jesus Christ. And let's go win the world to Him. Let's go show the world what He's all about.